Church, do you think we're thankful enough unto the Lord? If you look, the Bible does tell us that each generation gets worse, amen? So that you and I were worse than our parents, and our kids are going to be worse than us, and then the grandkids will, of course, be worse than them. But the Bible tells us that each generation becomes worse and worse and begins to wax towards evil, amen, of moving further and further away from the Lord. But I couldn't help but think tonight as we were worshiping, I just began to thank the Lord and praise Him for all that He's done, all that He's given us. And it struck me of how unthankful I think most of the times we are, amen, how unthankful we are unto the Lord how much we forget how much he's actually done for us and the great sacrifice, the great price that he paid for us. It was a great and terrible price, and I think we lose sight of that sometimes being caught up in all the busyness and even in the relationship that we have in the Lord. But we should be taking time out to thank the Lord for all that he's done for us, who he is, how much he loves us, amen, and how much he continues to pour out His grace and His goodness unto us. Just thank Him sometimes, church. Just thank Him for who He is. Amen. He is a wonderful, loving God. Church, tonight we'll pick back up in part two of walking out our faith. I hope you were blessed by the word this morning, blessed by the lesson this morning. I think it's a great and powerful word for us, the message, not necessarily the preaching, but the message itself of how important it is of how the Lord has us constantly moving. When we look at things in the world, when we look at water, whenever it begins to stay in one spot and it's not circulating, amen, it's not flowing, doesn't have oxygen coming unto that water and there's not a constant flow, there's not a constant movement, there's no purification that's actually going on with that water, that water becomes stagnant. And I think that's very representative of us in our lives. We can get very, very comfortable in a certain place, in a certain position, even sometimes in a certain ministry, we can become very comfortable to where we know how to look the part, we know how to act the part, we know how to say the part, but truly what's going on in our hearts and in our lives in relation to this great relationship with the Lord is very, very minimal, is very, very little. But the Lord has a desire to literally increase within each of us, amen? There's movement that always has to be occurring. We truly should be gauging ourselves, not just on an annual basis or on a monthly basis, but I would say on a daily basis, am I truly increasing in the Lord? So when I talk about increase, I'm not talking about us running out of here trying to conquer the world, but I'm talking about growing in this relationship. I think it's a travesty that most people get saved and they don't grow a whole lot in that relationship. If we look at our relationships with our spouses, which we know we're married unto the Lord, amen, it's all representative that we are the bride of Christ, as the Bible tells us. I think it's a travesty that you have certain 
couples that are together 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, even sometimes 50 years, and you look at the growth that's occurred between them, there's some growth that's there, but they've missed out on a tremendous amount. They should be able to finish each other's sentences, amen? They should understand if, some, if their spouse is just breathing irregularly because they have come to know each other so well. There's such a care and concern. There's such a two flesh have been made into one flesh. And that's also what the Lord requires of us. He wants more of us. In fact, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is jealous for us. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. The Holy Spirit doesn't want us to desire or want anything more than God wants us. Amen. It doesn't want anything to take the place of love in our lives. It wants all to ourselves. The Bible tells us that God is jealous for us. So when we look all that in context of movement, the Lord is requiring us, desiring us to move further and deeper into himself. But we know that sometimes there's these great obstacles. As we looked at this morning, we're going to look at another one tonight. There is paths that the Lord requires us to take that seems like it's for sure going to be the death of us. It's going to be the end of us. It's going to swipe us away, and it's going to literally take everything we ever had, everything we ever will have in our life, and just we're going to end up in some random place if we even live through it. But the Bible tells us that if the Lord commands us to go, amen, he's already prepared the way. And he has already given us the power and the unction to do so. All you and I have to do is step out by faith and begin to move in the direction that the Lord would have us to go. And the Lord will take care of everything else. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. I think in America in particular, we have this thought process that we're about as far as we need to go in the Lord, but church is actually the complete opposite. I think there's been a falling away of believers. I think there's been a falling away of the knowledge of the Lord. Amen? You ask just random people that say they're believers. You ask them if they know some things about the Word. I'm not just being able to talk about to rattle off Scripture and that sort of stuff, but just general information about the Bible. People don't seek a great and in-depth relationship with the Lord anymore. They want the retirement plan, amen? But they don't want everything else that comes with it. And you and I have to be separated. We have to be set apart. We are a peculiar people. We are in the world, but not of the world. You and I have to be different, amen, as we move further and deeper into the Lord. And I want to tell you something. When that begins to happen in your life, it's going to spring forth out of your life unto those that are closest to you. Those of you that have been praying for your family members to come to the Lord, I want to tell you, you may be the avenue, you may be the vessel, you may be the person that the Lord uses to draw them unto himself, amen, that he can save them, he can redeem them, he can forgive them, he can bring them into the sheepfold, amen. Let me tell you something, my entire family, with the exception of my parents, just for the most part, and I don't know for sure, I just know their service. Besides my parents, my, almost my entire family does not serve the Lord. Just about every one of them does not serve the Lord. But I want to tell you something, since the Lord has brought me into the sheepfold, amen, 
they continue to look at me and they keep waiting on me to backslide and to go back into the world. But I want to tell you something tonight. Through God's power, hallelujah, I'm going through. I'm going through, hallelujah. I done gave up my life. That old joy they keep waiting on to come back, that person's dead and gone, amen. He is no more. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, and I refuse to believe or think that God is not going to increase in me anymore. In fact, my name literally means, it comes from the root word Joseph, God shall add unto, amen. God shall add unto us. But in order for the Lord to add unto me sometimes, the Lord tells us, you've been here for quite a while. I want to move you over unto this place. I want to grow your faith. I want to grow this relationship. And I have already prepared the way for you. All you have to do now is step out by faith. And church, that's not just me tonight. It's you too, amen. It's all of us. Hallelujah. In the Lord. Turn me in your Bibles tonight to the book of Joshua. We're going to be predominantly in chapter 6. But before we get into chapter 6, I want to cover some things first in chapter 2 with you. So this morning we looked at them crossing over the River Jordan, which was literally death before them. It was a flood. It was overflowing its banks. There's no way they could have crossed it. They could not have gotten their cattle across. They could not have gotten their children across. They could not have gotten all their things across. The water would have swept them away if the Lord had not done a great miracle, a wonder, and stopped and prevented all those things so that he could take them into the land. But how many of us know that after we come into the land, amen, after you and I begin to walk by faith, after you and I have a new life, we have a new environment to walk in, we have a new environment to live in, how many of us know that the enemy wants to come in even greater like a flood, trying to take all those things away from us, trying to get us to think that the Lord is not with us, that we should not be here. The enemy comes in tenfold trying to cause strife and cause war and cause all those things and take it away from us. But you and I have to continue to walk and live by faith. And I want to tell you, there's going to be some things that you are going to come across. You may be at one of those things tonight that looks like it is overwhelming. The first city that the Lord had Joshua and the Israelites to come to was the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho was no ordinary city. In fact, out of all of the some 28 cities that they were going to supposed to conquer, Jericho perhaps was one of the most fortified cities of all those cities. It talks about the walls of Jericho, which we'll look at in just a moment. This was no ordinary wall that was around this city. In fact, the Bible tells us that you could put some five or six chariots up on the top of this wall. So this wall could have been as thick as 50 to 60 feet wide. All the way around this city. You say, Brother Joy, how could they get all those stones? How could they build all that? Church, I don't know. They built the pyramids. Amen. The Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun, whatever that means. Amen. They obviously knew how to do it, but this wall was a great wall. And so we see the Israelites coming into this city, and we see Joshua giving Joshua a task, putting a heartfelt desire upon him for the Lord, saying, you have to move. 
You've moved and I brought you into this place. I put you in this path. I showed you the supernatural. Now I want you to come up against something that is fortified before you. And you are going to overtake this great thing that is fortified before you. You don't know how you're going to overtake it, but I want to tell you, the same way that you walk through death, hell, and the grave to get over here is the same way that you're going to overtake this city that's before you, and it is by walking in your faith. Church, did you know tonight that if God has commanded you to do something, He's already put the things in motion, and I want to tell you something, He's already put fear in the enemy's heart, amen. Now, I'm not talking about walking around like little gods, but I'm talking about not giving the enemy any credit in any foothold at all. The Lord shall put fear in your enemies because you are not walking in your own strength, your own power. You're walking in the power of the Lord. Look at this right here in Joshua chapter 2. We all know the story of Rahab the harlot. I wish I could preach on that tonight, amen. It's a wonderful story of salvation. In fact, we see her actually becoming in the lineage of Christ. Amen. And actually, whenever the wall fell and she marches out, I don't have time to preach all that tonight. I preached it here before. But whenever she marches out with her family, amen, we see Rahab the harlot. She is actually the first Gentile that we see getting saved, amen, under this covenant. And we also see her walking out, not just herself, but with her entire family. And the day that she walks out of Jericho, when the walls fell, and she actually becomes in the lineage of Jesus Christ, we see this Gentile going in this place. It's actually on the first day of first fruits. So we see the first fruits of the Lord is Rahab the harlot walking out a Gentile with her family, getting saved and getting placed into the lineage of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Is the Lord not good tonight? Amen. It says this in chapter 2 of Joshua. The, he had sent two spies in there. Joshua had sent two spies in there to spy on the city. The Lord had commanded them that this would be the first city that they would overtake. And Rahab the harlot, they actually, some men get after them, and she takes them and she hides them. In fact, let's just read it. Let's go to uh, chapter 2, verse 3. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to you, which are entered into your house, for they have come to search out our country. Verse 4. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, The men came unto me, but I do not know where they went. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall surely overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them on the roof. Don't miss this, what she says here. She says this in verse 9. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. She's giving them a report of how these people in this fortified fortress feel 
about the people of God. Hallelujah. Verse 10 says this, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Church, let me bring something to your attention here. They wandered out in the wilderness for some 40 years. She's talking about how the Lord dried up the Red Sea and how they conquered Sihon and Og. That was 40 years ago. So for 40 years, the Lord has been building up his people for this moment, and he's been planting that seed within them, growing their faith until they finally got to this point. And at the same time, when they think nothing's happened, they just keep wondering aimlessly, God says, now is the time to go into the land. And as they've been wondering about their aimlessly, whenever their faith gets to the point that God says move, the whole time he's been putting fear into the enemy's hearts. They've been afraid for some 40 years of the children of Israel. 40 years. Hallelujah. And the Lord good tonight. Fear was in their hearts. Turn with me in your Bibles tonight to Joshua chapter 5. Let's start off at verse 13. So we see the Lord putting fear into the enemy's hearts of what he has called you and I to conquer by faith. Now the Lord builds the faith of those to conquer even more. Amen? How many of us know that when we get a touch from the Lord, amen, it's just another building of our faith. It's another touch from the Lord. It's confirmation. Hallelujah. And chapter 5, verse 13 says this, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? <laughs> so Joshua, I don't know when this happened. I don't know if Joshua was out there walking in the moonlight, if he's kind of walking and thinking and he's looking up on Jericho. I don't know if it happened in the daytime, but he's thinking probably a battle plan. He's thinking, Lord, I know you told us to overtake this and we're walking now by faith, but Lord, you're going to have to show me the way. Suddenly Joshua sees this man standing over there and he's all decked out in armor and he's got his sword drawn and he looks really like he does not fit in this place. Notice Joshua doesn't run up to him with his sword drawn, but instead Joshua looks at him and Joshua asks the question, are you with us? Are you against us? And verse 14 says this, And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? So we see right here a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. The word here is used Jehovah Sabbath, amen, which means commander-in-chief of the armies of God. The same exact term that whenever David would look at Goliath, and Goliath would say, you sent nothing but a boy out here, you sent nothing but a little dog out here to fight me. 
and I'm going to take your head from your body and I'm going to feed you to the fowls of the air. And David basically tells him, the Lord shall give you unto my hand today for you come to me with a sword and with a shield and with a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Jehovah Sabbath, commander in chief of the armies of God. And it says David ran towards the giant. Hallelujah. The same term is used here for this. The captain of the, verse 15, of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose your shoes from off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. So we see a pre-incarnate, hallelujah, Jesus Christ showing up, revealing himself unto Joshua. Remember also he showed up unto Abraham. And remember his wife laughed. It was three different men that showed up. Y'all remember the story? The Trinity shows up. And basically, it was also a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ that says, The angel of the Lord. In chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto your hand Jericho and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shall you do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the, seven, the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when you make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. So we see the Lord giving Joshua specific instructions. Not to run out unto the wall and to speak unto the wall and to tell the people the Lord has delivered you into our hands and today this wall is going to fall but instead the Lord gives Joshua specific instructions this is what he tells him first of all you don't need to say a word but this is what you need to do you need to take up the ark of the covenant and I want you to begin to compass this city and I want you to compass it every day for six days once around the entire city carrying the Ark of the Covenant. You're going to have men that are raided and with weapons in front and men that are raided with weapons in the back and there the priests are going to carry the Ark of the Covenant and you're going to walk around this city and you're going to do it six times for once a, once a day for six days and on the seventh day you're going to actually compass it six times and then on that seventh time when you're done you're going to blow the trumpets and you're going to shout the shout of victory. And when you do that, this great wall, this obstacle, this insurmountable fortified place that I have called you to overtake is literally going to fall before you. Church, the instruction that he gives Joshua and the Israelites is simply to begin to walk out their faith. Have faith and the word and the instruction and the power of the Lord have faith in God's word that it is supernatural and he will do what he said he is going to do. And when you begin to walk out in that faith in obedience, 
great walls are going to fall before you. Church, you believe that tonight? Walk out your faith. How many of us maybe are just on that third day? This sounds good tonight, Brother Joey. I can't wait to start moving. I can't wait to get going. And we get to about the second day and we're just a little bit tired and maybe we don't have everybody around us anymore and we're not as excited about moving for the Lord. We're not as excited. Well, i got to wait till Sunday and get all fired up again. And then all of a sudden we come back that next Sunday and maybe we're on that second lap. And then maybe some of us have just got to that third lap on walking out our faith and we think, Lord, I'll never get to that seventh day, much less do all that I've done in that seventh day over these six days. I'm just on that third day and it's been hard and it's been rough, but this walk of faith has been difficult. See, God was not only testing their faith, He was testing their obedience. The Bible tells us to grow not weary of well-doing, lest we faint and reap not. Sometimes it's literally just a walk of faith, putting one foot in front of the other. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel? Anybody remember the story, the big showdown of the Old Testament, I call it? It's like one of those old westerns where they're looking out and they... Anyway, I know y'all watching. Everybody in here's got gray hair, amen? I know y'all know, I know, y'all know who Matt Dillon is. Amen? Tell these younger people about Matt Dillon. They're like, who's that? I don't know what you're talking about. It was a showdown. Elijah said, if God be God, serve him. If Baal be God, then you serve him. And the priests and the priestesses of Baal, they began to scream. They began to shout. They even began to cut themselves so much to the point that they tore down the altar. Elijah says, dump those three barrels of water right on that altar. I want you to see there's not going to be any trickery here. And they totally coated the sacrifice with water. And God prayed to the Lord God Almighty, and it says fire came down from heaven. And it consumed the sacrifice, and it even sucked up all that water around it. And Elijah said, take them down to the brook Kidron and kill every one of them. Eradicate them out from amongst God's people. But after this great showdown and all the people had left, all the people had gone, all that's left on Mount Cornell is Elijah, the man of God, and his servant. Remember, Elijah had prayed for some three and a half years that it would not rain in order to get the people's attention. It was the purpose of the drought. No crops, no rain, no nothing for three and a half years. There was famine all through the land. But the Lord speaks to Elijah's heart and says, you need to go and look because the rain is coming. And he sends his servant. And the Bible tells us that his servant went once, he went twice, he went a third time, he went a fourth time, he went a fifth time, and he kept coming back to Elijah saying, I don't see any cloud in the sky. Finally, he got to that fifth time, that sixth time, but it says on that seventh time, that perfect time,
time in the Lord. Elijah would say, I see a small cloud that looks like the hand of a man. And get thee up because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Church, there's a perfect time for you to walk in your faith. You may be only on that second lap, you may be on that third lap, you may be on that fourth lap, but there's going to come a perfect time to walk in your faith, and God is going to honor your faith. But we have to start moving in our faith. And he says this in verse 6, And Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on, and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. So there were armed men, armed soldiers that went before the presence of the Lord, and there was armed soldiers that were behind, hallelujah, the presence of the Lord. As they began to compass that city by faith. Let me tell you something. You think Patton, <laughs> you think he would have approved this battle plan? Probably not. Patton wanted to go beat up on the Russian. He wanted to go fight everybody, didn't he? I know y'all know who Patton is. Come on. Lord. It was a supernatural plan of God. It probably didn't make sense to them. Be like you and I saying, we're going to march around this bank vault. <laughs> it's impenetrable. We can't get into it. It's locked up. We can't break it down. And But we're going to march around it these six times over six days, and on the seventh day we're going to do it seven times. And we're not just going to stop there. We're going to shout when we get done with that seventh time and this vault is going to break open for you and I. Church, it wasn't a very logical plan, but they wasn't walking in man's logic and man's understanding. They were walking by faith. The evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Not just believing in something, but trusting in something. James would say, show me your faith by your works, and I'll show you my works by my faith. We're to be hearers, not only hearers of the word, but doers ye also. Amen? God commands you and I to walk in our faith. You look at the patriarchs, the hall of faith, as we see in the book of Hebrews. Those were all men and women who walked in their faith. And verse 8 says this, And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with trumpets, and the reward came after the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, 
neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. Church, you believe sometimes we can get too busy shouting about small things or just talking too much, amen? That when it comes time for the real shout of victory, we're not ready and we don't have nothing left. I remember one time I was going to preach at this church and I was in the back praying and I was speaking in tongues like I normally do before I preach and just for some reason the entire time I was praying I was speaking in tongues and there's nothing wrong with that but I remember I was just speaking the whole time that I didn't even actually pray amen and the Bible does tell us that we can pray in the spirit and there's groanings within us that we do not know what to pray but there were specific things that I should have been praying that I knew in my heart that I didn't pray so when it come time for me to minister which the Lord still anointed the Lord said you know you didn't even talk to me that whole time because you were too busy shouting <laughs> instead of when it come time for the real shout y'all with me tonight Verse 11, so the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And verse 12, and Joshua rose up early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them, but the reward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned in the camp. So they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it, and all they that are within it to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in her house, because she hid the messengers that were sent. So we see here the Lord telling Joshua and all the people, you've been walking in your faith, But now I want to stretch your faith just a little bit more. I want you to shout the victory before the victory had even come. Church, how many of us can say tonight, amen, that we claim the healing of the Lord, we claim the victory of the Lord? If any of you have ever heard me pray, there's a lot of times when I pray, I say, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done and what you're going to do in this situation. Church, that's like shouting, amen, shouting out the victory before the Lord's even given it. That's how you and I is to walk in our faith, amen, not just to move and walk in our faith, but the Bible tells us that we claim, hallelujah, the victories of the Lord. He's telling them you shout before it's even given unto you, amen. You walk, you speak, you act by faith. And verse 18 says this, And you in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come unto the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass 
when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox, sheep, and ass, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman and all she has, as you have sworn to her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had, and they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was in it, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Church, what kind of obstacles tonight do you have before you? We looked at today passing back by those same places over and over and over again. Maybe it was that path that the Lord is trying to take you through and He will cause a great wonder. He'll cause that miracle to stop death from overtaking you of whatever that thing is that was preventing you. But maybe you've come to an insurmountable place, a fortified place in your life that you cannot break through. I want to tell you tonight, the Lord has already went before you, amen? And if you'll have the faith, God will cause that wall to come down before you, amen? Amen? Give him some praise tonight. Hallelujah. I'm getting good at this time thing. Seven o'clock on the money. Any prayer requests or comments about the word tonight? Did y'all enjoy the lesson? Amen, today and tonight. Amen. Try to do a little bit of teaching, amen. I'll run up and down the aisles and all that maybe next Sunday. Might even touch some of y'all, amen, when I run down those aisles, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Brother said anytime you want to touch him, he's always in need. Church, that's all of us, is it not? Remember, if you'll stay humble and tender, the Lord can use you. The Lord can use you, amen. And that's what I want. I want us all to be used. I want us to grow. I want our gifts. We all have specific gifts. We all can move in the Spirit, amen. We can move in all the gifts, amen. God's no respecter of persons. I was telling someone that last night. They were talking about the gifts. The gifts are for the saints, the gifts are for the saints. There's no reason that God couldn't move upon you to operate in. Paul said he operated in all nine of the gifts. Now, just because you operate in a gift doesn't necessarily mean you're called into the fivefold ministry. It could, but that doesn't necessarily mean that. The gifts are for the saints. Amen. Let's not get it confused because people say, well, I don't know if I could do this or do that. I don't know if I'm called into the fivefold. You may or may not be, but the gifts are for the saints. Amen. There's no reason that we shouldn't see the gifts moving in our church all the time. If we'll believe it, amen. If we'll just believe it and have a hunger and a thirst and desire for more of the Lord, God will move upon us, amen. 
It'll be a growth on the inside that leads to the outside. Love will overflow. And that's what we want in this church and within this body, amen. We want an overflow of the Lord, and God is love, amen. Amen, would you stand with us tonight? Anything else tonight? Any other things we need to communicate? Amen. Brother Joe Graham, would you close us in prayer tonight?